the best people that I've ever met in my life who have treated me with more dignity and love and grace and mercy than I have ever deserved I've met in the local church. The very worst human beings that I've ever met in my life who have shown me more cruelty and dishonesty and just outright meanness of any people I've ever met in my life, I've met through the context of a local church. And my guess is, is that every single person in this room would say something similar. Now, here's the deal. Let's relax. None of this should surprise us. Churches are filled with imperfect people. They are led by imperfect people. People who are just trying to figure it out and sometimes do a terrible job of figuring all of that out. What we have to do, though, is is learn from those who have made a habit of, of messing up but pushing forward and those who have institutionalized the bad stuff in their life. What we have to do is we have to learn how to how to live lives that demonstrate church health, being a healthy member, and to reject toxicity that can show up in our lives and in the lives of other people, and know the difference. We have to know the difference. And we're going to do that today by looking at the last part of the last letter from John that we will be studying together ever. Okay, because there's really nothing left uh, after this. If you would please find 3 John verse 9, 3 John verse 9, we conclude today our series of messages from the letters of John that we began way back in January, interrupted it because of this uh, virus outbreak, I don't know if you heard about it, um, that, that took place and uh, then came back to it. Uh, we're going to take a week's break, kind of have a standalone message next week. And then we are going to the last book that's attributed to John in the Bible that uh, I can preach from, and that is the Revelation of John. That starts two weeks from today. And again, I just remind you, everybody's super excited about that, just needs to throttle it back. I will be greatly disappointing to you as we go through that. We're not going to fill out any charts. We're not going to set our calendars or anything like that. We are going to look at what the book says. And the book says... Though you may experience trouble and sorrow in this world, fear not, God is on the throne. That's what it's all about. In fact, that's just really the book, so I don't have to preach from it. We'll just skip that and figure something else. But that's what it's going to be about, and I hope that you'll be back for that as we begin that journey through the fall and spring. Hope you found 3 John verse 9. Would you stand, please, as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning? 3 John verse 9. I've written something to the church. But Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends. 
every one of them. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. So you don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out that we have a good dude and a bad dude in the verses we just read. You have Diotrephes, who is, is being rebuked, and then you have Demetrius, who is, who is being celebrated. And though we cannot completely reconstruct everything, all of the details that are, are feeding this letter that John is writing to a man named Gaius, we can see enough and know enough in the midst of it all to be able to draw some principles for ourselves to, to help us move toward, as individuals and as a church, healthy membership. First, let's, because that's what John does, let's look at, at toxic membership. And we can see that toxic members are known by their relationships. Toxic members are known by their relationships. Now, before we can dive into all of this, um, I think it's important for us to understand how, how the church was, was led and constructed in the first century. Uh, it was led in a way that is, would be, I think, pretty unfamiliar to most of us who are Baptist. It was more akin, I think, based on my study, to a Presbyterian kind of structure. You had a network of house churches, and in those house churches, you would have individuals, elders, or groups of elders leading at the local level. And then there was a, a broader group that was overseeing the work of all of the churches in an area. Initially, it was just all the churches. And you can see this, this larger group of leaders leading out all of the churches in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 15, there's a debate going on about how to integrate cultures in the church. The church had always been predominantly Jewish, and now they were starting to reach Gentiles, and they were butting heads, and they were trying to figure out how is it that we can get along. And so the leaders of the churches come together, they debate it, they talk about it, they come up with a letter, they send it out to all the churches for them to follow so that their relationships together collectively could be informed by truth, mercy, and love. And then as the first century continues on, uh, you, you see these these leaders, these groups of leaders overseeing groups of churches becoming more regionalized as the, as the church grows. And what's going on here is that John, with another group of leaders, is overseeing a network group of churches in what for us is modern-day Turkey. And Diotrephes is in all likelihood at least a leader of one of these local churches and perhaps uh, one of the elders of this local church. And in this capacity, he had gone rogue and had become toxic. And you can see his toxicity in terms of relationships. First, his relationship to authority. Look again at verse 9. I have written something to the church. In other words, John has wanted to communicate something to this particular church that needed to be communicated. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Now, to see, again, the plurality which, which John is leading here, he's saying he doesn't... Uh, push back on my authority. He says he's pushing back on our authority. So Diotrephes is not wanting to do what this letter was asking this church to do, or at the very least, was not wanting his church to hear what the leaders, the ultimate leaders, wanted this church to hear. And John plainly points out why this is true. Diotrephes loves 
to be first. He wants to set himself apart, single himself out, and rather than lead with, he wants to lead from. He wants to be the person absolutely finally and fully in charge. He is a manifestation of something that began to happen pretty quickly in church life. By the time you get to the end of the first century and the start of the second century, this idea of leading from plurality begins to be put aside in terms of the singularly powerful leaders who install themselves essentially as bishops of these regions and aren't accountable to anybody. Now, some of these men were good godly men, and we owe the the well-being of our faith to them, but many of them became very kind of corrupt with that power and that opportunity uh, for wealth, and so they they were a problem within the church. John is saying Diotrephes is one of these people. He is wanting to be first. He's wanting to set himself apart. He doesn't want to be answerable to anybody. He doesn't want anybody to tell him what to do. He doesn't want anybody to hold him accountable. He loves to be first. We should always be on the lookout for anybody, be they a leader or a church member, who refuses accountability, who refuses to submit to godly authority. One of the beauties of a plurality of leadership where where groups of God-called men lead the church like at Blue Valley, our elders, one of the beauties of that is that even though I am an elder, there may come a point in time where I, as an individual church member, even though I'm an elder, as an individual church member, have to submit to the authority of the elders. There, there, is, there is safety and accountability. There's, there's safety in responding well to authority. Diotrephes had a, a problem with his relationship to authority and become toxic. The next thing that, uh, that toxic members have a, a, a difficulty with is their relationship to the truth. Look at verse 10. So if I come... I will bring up what he's doing, and that's a strong word that he's given there, all right? He's, it sounds pretty tame to us, but he's, he's basically saying, when I, when I show up, I'm going to rebuke him to his face. And what is he going to rebuke him for? For talking wicked nonsense against us. What he had done in order to be first and to gain standing is that he had begun to murmur against leadership. He had begun to murmur against um, other members of the church who might be supportive of that leadership. In short, he was spreading unfounded, unsubstantiated lies in the church. He had a problem with the truth. So, if it were 2020, he'd have a Twitter account where he could say literally whatever he wanted to about anybody and experience no repercussions for it. He'd have a YouTube channel so that people could see him say something on YouTube and then forward it to me saying, look, he's smart and you're an idiot. He could be having coffee clutches where it winds up being about everybody else in the church and how they're not as godly as him or godly as us. It's It's a problem with the truth, the truth about others, the truth about reality. Now, I want you to notice here, Diotrephes is not being rebuked by John because he's being unfaithful in some way to the revealed truth of Scripture. John doesn't say that. 
He speaks about the wicked nonsense he's speaking about other members of the church and some of its leaders. And perhaps because we've seen this happen, he had even started to believe that himself, where he couldn't even know what the truth was anymore. Toxic members have a difficult relationship with authority. They have a difficult relationship with the truth. Ultimately, they will have a difficult relationship with everybody. After John says this about coming and speaking to Diotrephes and speaking of the wicked nonsense, he says he's not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. If you were here last week, you may remember that I, I shared with you how, how missions took place in the first century. These missionaries would go out from the leaders of the church to establish the gospel, to preach the gospel in unreached areas. And in order to be able to do that in a way that um, allowed them to not take anything financially or any material goods from those to whom they were preaching in order to show the free gift of the gospel, they relied on Christians in the area to take care of them. And so what Diotrephes was doing was, was saying, if anybody supports what John and the leaders are doing, I'm going to put you out of the church. I'm going to practice church discipline on you. You're no longer going to be a part of the church. So he had built around him a, a group of people who looked to him singularly as a leader or singularly as an authority, and he was willing to alienate every buddy else. So toxic members have a, relationship, or have a difficult relationship with authority. They have a difficult relationship with the truth. They have a difficult, ultimately, relationship with everybody that doesn't agree with them. And he was a leader. An elder, maybe, of a local church. I mean, right now, probably, if you've got any kind of church experience in your mind, you're thinking of people who have manifested these kinds of things. And you're asking yourself what I ask myself when I read this. How do those people gain such standing in the local church? Well, let me let you in on the key to that. Because we let them. We won't stand up and rebuke it and call it out. I will never forget the first church I pastored. We had our own diatrophies. We didn't know he was diatrophies because he was slick about it. He was someone that the church actually thought was kind of holding the place together. But as the, the leadership of that church began to figure some things out, I was too young and, and naive and ignorant, frankly, to figure any of this out. The leadership began to figure it out themselves. They began to figure out that this guy's MO was to light fires and be, then be the knight in shining armor that rescued the church and ran off the pastor. So he was one of these guys that was constantly causing trouble in the church so that he could maintain his standing in the church. And, and at our little country church out in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee, they had this wonderful thing. When we met together on Sunday nights, we'd have a deacon's meeting at 5 o'clock where we were typically saying, you guys are knuckleheads to one another. And then we would go out and worship Jesus at 6. 
You know, it was terrific. I always loved it. Yay, you chewed me out. I'm going to preach. So we were in a deacon's meeting one night, and one of the leaders brought up that our diatrophies had done something. And I asked them, I said, did you all, did the rest of you all know about this? And they said, yeah. And it became very, very clear that their solution to that was to send the, one, the young, naive 31-year-old to confront this guy on a rumor, which is not even biblical. And so I said naively, who'll go with me? Nobody did. And that's how that kind of behavior had stayed going forever. Here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus and you're a part of a local church, even difficult relationships are not disposable. And when you go to someone who's having such sin in their life, you're not going to them to run them out of town. Your impulse is to go to that person and restore them to where they need to be with Christ. So if you refuse to confront this kind of junk, essentially what you're saying is is that I don't love them enough to care. See, toxic members are targets for godly discipline, yes, but compassion and mercy to restore them. We need to examine our lives if we have any toxic behaviors. We need to examine our lives to see if there's anything that we are enabling that would, that would draw the church away from, from true faith. But then if we see someone doing something, we need to go to that person in love to call them back to where they need to be. Toxic members are known by their relationships. Boy, this has been bad news, hasn't it? This is a real pick-me-up, this sermon so far. So let's switch and do what John does. Let's now consider healthy members, and we will see that healthy members are known by their testimony. Known by their testimony. In other words, what, what is spoken of them by others and what is obvious from them in their lives becomes the evidence of their spiritual health. And we see this in the commendation of uh, Demetrius in verse 12. Now, it's likely that Demetrius is the one delivering this letter to Gaius, okay? So he's shown up, and maybe Gaius doesn't have any idea who Demetrius is, but this letter from John explains it. And when he gets to verse 12, we got this one verse, and I want you to stop and think. If there was one sentence written about you in life that anybody would know about ever in history, would it sound like this? This guy's unknown to us except for this one verse. This is awesome. Verse 12, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. There are two things there I want you to see about testimony. First of all, it stands the test of time. If you look at the first part of verse 12, Demetrius has received a good testimony. It's all one word. Not Demetrius, but has received a good testimony. is all one word. And it carries with it this idea. The idea that we have observed consistency and authenticity in his profession of faith in Demetrius in the past, 
It is going on currently in the present, and we anticipate, based on what we have seen, that it will go on in the future. Demetrius was somebody whose testimony of faith in Jesus Christ had stood the test of time. He hadn't just popped in to the local church and made a big splash. This was someone that they had seen, observed, and noted that his relationship was authentic. So uh, the testimony is a tested kind of testimony, but it's also an affirmed kind of testimony. Notice he says that he has received a good testimony from everyone. Who, who is or are the everyone? The church. The church, as they observed Demetrius's life, affirmed the testimony, the consistency, the authenticity of his life. And then he says something interesting. He says his life is, is affirmed by the truth itself. It's like this. If God's Word could become a, a living thing that had the capacity to speak as a human would speak, it would stand up and say, Demetrius is one of mine. If, if the Word of God, if the truth could be personified, it would speak and say, Demetrius is one of mine. And I want you to compare that to how Diotrephes had treated him. Diotrephes had rejected this one as being uh, difficult and, and being a threat to the church that the truth itself would affirm, saying this is the kind of person that you need to follow. So it is an affirmed testimony. It stands the test of time, and it is an affirmed testimony. But beyond that, it's more than just the church members and the truth itself. The leaders of the church affirmed the testimony. John says, the leaders with me say to you that this guy is the real deal. Here's what we miss about membership. We believe membership is something like joining a club. I've got an opportunity to join that club or that club or that club, and I choose that club. That's a poor way of thinking of membership. Membership is joining in with a group of people, and the admission standard is this. Whether or not they believe your salvation testimony is authentic. That's what it means to be accepted into membership. It is a church family saying, we, having examined this person, believe they have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And when a church withdraws membership from someone, what they are saying is, we no longer see the evidence in this person's life that their relationship with Jesus Christ is authentic. It's important to have a testimony that has stood the test of time, and it's important that we maintain our, our, our relationships in the church in a healthy way so that the church can continue to affirm our testimony. So we've seen two things here. What else is there to see? I want you to see how that testimony bears itself out in terms of healthy relationships with other followers of Jesus. And we do that by looking at John. John concludes this letter by saying, I had much to write you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. So now he's speaking very personally and intimately with Gaius. I really wish I could see you, he says. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk to face, face to face. But then, because Gaius has influence with other believers, perhaps a, an elder in, a, in a, another church in this area, he says, peace be with you. The friends greet you. 
Greet the friends, every one of them. And that every one of them carries the idea of greet every one of them by name. See, the church wasn't just some anonymous corporate entity to John. To John, it was a network of relationships that he was investing himself fully in and that he would experience for eternity. So, the testimony of of a healthy member bears witness to the health and the dysfunctional relationships of a toxic person bears witness of their toxicity. And so now we, we get to this. What do we do with this? Nice little Bible lesson. What do we do with this? Well, thankfully, I don't have to guess because John tells us. In fact, verse 11 is the point of the entire book. If you wanted to know why the book was written, it's verse 11. And here's what he says to Gaius and to the church. Remember, the church is listening on that Gaius leads. He's just said, say hello to him, every one of them by name. He said, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. So he says, this example of Diotrephes, he's not saying it's dysfunctional or messed up. What does he call it? He calls it evil. Evil, don't imitate it, he said. And then referring back to Demetrius, and, and from Gaius' perspective, Demetrius may have been standing right in front of him. He's saying to Gaius, you need to imitate that. My challenge to you is to imitate that. And then he pushes it even further, and this is where it gets difficult. And <laughs> He says, whoever does good is from God. Someone who has an authentic testimony, an affirmed testimony, who has healthy relationships with the other body of Christ, that's evidence they're from God. Whoever does evil, someone who has a problem with authority, the truth, and has relational carnage in their life, They've not even seen God. See, sometimes I think we tend to think of relationships in the local church as just being difficult people and easy to get along with people. That's not what John's saying here, is it? John is saying this is a matter of who belongs to God and who doesn't belong to God. Now let me ask you something. Does this mean we're always going to get along? (laughs) Of course not. I am way too strong a personality for you all to always get along with me. And there's no need for any amens right now. I get, hey, I get, I get that there may be times where I unintentionally do something that offends or alienates. I I get that, that there may be times where I hold a standard that I proclaim to you that may make you uncomfortable and you'll flip that into being angry at me. I get that that happens. Here's a newsflash. Sometimes you all tick me off too. All right? We're human beings. That's going to happen. We can't expect a standard of perfection. But here's what we can expect. When we know we're being toxic 
And we know what a consistent testimony of that reveals about us. We'll fix it. We won't let it linger. We'll deal with it. Because the relationships we have with one another are not disposable. We will spend eternity with one another, regardless of whether we agree fully with one another about something that is happening on planet earth in 2020. We will spend eternity with one another. And if we will model that diversity but ultimate unity in Christ, then we will have something to show the world that they're hungry for. The reason they're chasing everything, political causes and social causes and everything, and they're throwing all of their life into it like that's all that matters is because they've not seen anything in the church that leads them to believe their life will count there. So we have to manifest personally and as a church health. We can't continue to add to the toxic dump that is America in 2020 more toxicity. But we can inject health that's rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.